0: Hello and welcome to This is a Token with Alex Monroe, the podcast that celebrates all things jewellery. I've spent half a lifetime designing and making jewellery, but what really interests me is what it means to other people. This is a podcast where we ask our guests about the jewellery they cherish most of all. We'll explore the moving, fascinating and often surprising stories connected to each piece and those emotional bonds that we just can't do without. My guest today is the actor Beanie Feldstein. I think Beanie first came to my attention when she was in Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. But I've got three daughters, so Beanie became our absolute most favourite person in the world when we watched Booksmart. Um, that was directed by Olivia Wilde. And of course then as Joanna Morrigan in Kathleen Moran's How to Build a Girl, directed by Koki Giedroich. And so I think it was sometime between Booksmart and How to Build a Girl... That I got this amazingly lovely message from Beanie herself saying hello and that she liked my jewellery and um, this is the point where I usually muck it all up because I um I always send like a mad gushing message back saying, I love you, you're so brilliant. Um, But um, Beanie was kind enough to carry on chatting. One thing I know about Beanie is that she loves her clothes, she loves her jewellery and she's so much fun. So I'm really interested to find out about the pieces of jewellery she's chosen for us to look at. (laughs) So, Beanie Feldstein, actor, inspiration, and general ray of sunshine, welcome to This is a Token, and thank you so much for being my guest. Oh
1: my gosh, thank you for having me across many, many miles and oceans through Zoom. I'm so excited, and I really genuinely love your jewelry, and I I love jewelry in general, and I think it's such a beautiful part of expressing yourself, and it is very sentimental for me, and nostalgic, and all of those things, so I'm really excited. It was hard to pick what I would talk about. I think I picked the right ones, hopefully.
0: Well, you sent photos and it was so lovely because I've been looking at them thinking, you wear jewellery so well and you obviously love clothes and jewellery and having fun expressing yourself. And my thing with jewellery is I've made jewellery since I was probably about 16, so it's kind of almost a whole lifetime. But the thing about jewellery, is like what it means to people. So I was wanted to make a podcast about why we as humans have these objects that we can wear that kind of associate us or or, or remind us or connect them. So um, shall we dive straight in?
1: The square ring was the first one. So I had to count them last night to, to figure out how many I actually wear. I wear 12 rings every day, um, which is actually funny because 12 is my favorite number. I didn't do that on purpose, but it feels right. The collection started when I was... 14, I believe, with this square ring. It's gold. It's a, kind of a, not a perfect square, but loosely a square. And then it has a little diamond sort of at the bottom. It's a very unique ring. I've never really seen anyone have anything like it. And my mom got it for me, my sister-in-law, and her when I was 14. And we all got the same one. And it was from this little boutique that used to be in my neighborhood that's long gone. So I don't even know who the designer was or anything. I have no idea. Um, but it was my first ring from what I remember. I mean, my first ring that I was given as a special gift. And it was like, we all had the same one. And it sort of launched this obsession with rings. So I couldn't not choose it. I was like, it, it, it was the one where it all began, it, you know, if it was a Friends episode. And I like that it's big and a little bit clunky but also very unique and dainty at the same time and my mom and my sister-in-law don't wear theirs every day but I don't know why I think when you have really beautiful things I think early on I decided they shouldn't sit in a drawer I'd rather wear it and have it live its life and if unfortunately it falls off or something then I wore it and it was it was out there in the world and it got to experience it than just sitting in a in a drawer somewhere
0: um, it's so interesting but so I've got my old business plan from 1985. When I started out my business, I needed to borrow some money. So I had to write a business plan for the bank. Basically, it says that I wanted to make really nice jewellery, but I want to make jewellery for people to wear. I didn't want to make something that went into a gallery that was then, you know, put behind glass. And I didn't want to make something that was a kind of investment piece. I was very conscious also. I didn't want to make anything that was kind of like trophy jewellery, you know, like those expensive rings that men buy for women and then as if there's some sort of possession or something. So I wanted to make, I called it fashion jewellery right from the start. And people were often confused because they thought that meant something plastic that you picked up when you were paying for your clothes. And I was like, no, I'm going to make something, really nice materials. When I make something, I want someone to wear it. I don't. I want them not to take it off because I kind of feel that's what jewellery should be done. It comes alive when it's worn. So I love the fact that you wear that ring. I think the ring Is really beautiful. If I was going to wear one of the pieces that you bought me just on how it looks, it would be that one. And I love also the fact that you called it a loose square. If I can, can I put the photos you sent me on on our podcast website? Because people will see. And I love that expression of the loose square because it's kind of like not a sharp square, is it? It's a bit sort of sloppy and it's a bit beaten. Yeah, it's very handmade. I'm so surprised. I thought that was the last piece because it's so contemporary. I thought that must be like recent.
1: No, I mean, I guess it was 14, almost 14 years ago that I got it. Half my lifetime ago, as you said, that's the one that started it all. So I thought that one had to go first. But I agree, there's something, you can feel the lines in it. It doesn't feel stock. It feels like you could feel someone drawing the square.
0: It's handmade jewellery, isn't it? It's beautiful handmade jewellery. Does it kind of connect you to your mum?
1: I have so many pieces from my mom. So I should say my love of fashion and jewelry is nothing compared to my mom's. She was trained at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York and was a costume designer for a long time and then became a personal stylist and now works in children's mental health and doesn't kind of do any of this as a profession anymore. But she is a style icon. Like she walks into a room and everyone turns their head. She is, I mean, she's magnificent in every way. She's so forward with her fashion and her jewelry and has been my whole life. So it was really sweet that you said, you know, clearly you're very into jewelry and fashion because compared to my mom, I'm like, I am? (laughs) Um, But clearly it was passed down. And over the years, my mom has sort of acknowledged, she's like, wow, you're much more into this than I ever thought you would be. Um, But I think it's because I grew up sitting in fittings um, with her, like, you know, reading a book or coloring under the table, but watching her style people that I, you know, something rubbed off on me for sure, but she has exquisite taste and so many of my rings are from her. So it was hard to sort of decide. I think the whole stacking of them and wearing them, my mom does the same thing. So it's clearly sort of something that I, I learned from her and I wanted to emulate, but yeah, it definitely makes me But
0: like, whether you like it or not, you're, you're definitely have become a bit of a style icon. I mean, you've been in like on covers of magazines and also, you know, so it's
1: really fun. And I think, you know, as someone who is not um, the sample size, I think it's really uh, been incredible to sort of have certain designers make their first clothing of a certain size for me or um, expand their range or be willing to share their clothes with me and sort of pushing what the idea of like a certain person wearing a designer something looks like has been a really fun journey. And I I do really enjoy it. But I think because I always compared myself to my mom, I was like, I'm not the style person. And I couldn't even dare. Um, same thing with comedy. My mom is so funny. And obviously, my brother is so funny that I was like, I'm not funny. And then I obviously, people think of me as someone who does comedy. So I'm like,
0: I am. Good, I am. Your delivery is so great. Like last night, me and Connie stayed up late and we watched, I've got to admit, we watched Book Smart again. My wife at least couldn't sleep because I'm like, I got a loud laugh and I was just like pissing myself. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's great and, and really moving as well. Yeah. You were saying earlier your favorite bit that kind of resonated with you about when when she says-
2: Oh yeah, there's that really good, I think what makes the film for me perfect is when Amy has a crush on this girl, and she's trying to figure out if she's straight or gay or not and everyone's like yeah of course of course she's gay like that conversation that they have where she was saying like oh I'm going to Botswana not Uganda because you know they would hate me there because I'm gay and then she would say like oh like would you be scared if you went to Uganda because I was saying I've had so many experiences because I'm bisexual so when I have a crush on a girl I would go up and start like the amount of times I've just been so embarrassed because you don't know how to approach the question of like, are you just being really nice? Are you flirting?
1: Totally. I've been with my girlfriend for two and a half years. And when chemistry was building, she had been out and I was still sort of uh, figuring myself out. But she was so warm and friendly to everyone. I was like, I can't assume that she's has some feelings she's a warm like cozy touchy feely person so I was like I don't I'm not gonna assume but it's that thing where you're like I can't read the signs and I Caitlin Deaver who plays Amy is like I knew we would be best friends from kind of the moment we met it was pretty instantaneous and then we lived together when we were filming the movie, which was just, like, next-level special. It was so forever, like, just one of my favorite memories of my whole life. But then as the years have gone on and we're farther and farther from the experience of actually filming the movie or even promoting the movie, I think it just becomes more and more clear that we are just, like, truly, truly sisters for life. Like, genuinely best friends. Like, we will FaceTime for four hours and be like, ah, what have we done? The day has gone by. Um, in a way that just yeah that movie forever changed my life in so many ways from a career standpoint but on a personal standpoint like it gave me Caitlin which I will is better than you know all the rest of it so and she's so funny but thank you that means so much to me that you like it and that you watched it it really does
2: and it's like the only film that I've watched in a really long time that has characters that like I can relate to and especially like lesbian characters as well and like ones that aren't like totally you know this is a film about like a lesbian woman. It wasn't the whole thing. Like the whole film was just brilliant. And I was only going to watch a bit last night because I had work to do and I ended up staying up really late. So do you know <laughs> what I'm going
0: to say though? I'm going to say these kind of, you know what you were talking about, that difficult, awkward situation. As a straight man, that was exactly the same for me. So like I spent my teenage years, you know, all my best friends were girls and they were just flipping gorgeous. And I would fancy, them, like, like maybe not my best friend, but I had friends that I really fancied. And we would be getting on so well. And then, you know, at some moment, I kind of lean forwards, you know, with the puck on my lips, and they go, ah, what the hell? Like, we're just friends. And so that whole thing about working out if the vibes are coming off someone that, that they finding you attractive, or whether they just like you, that's impossible for everyone, I'm sure. I'm sure we're all the yeah. same in that.
1: I think that's what's so sort of radical about the movie, is that the only sort of True example of those feelings, and the only like intimate scene in the movie is between two girls. So it's just normalizing what that feels like. If if the example of teenage awkwardness and intimacy is two women and uh, straight people or men that are gay or non-binary people feel connected to it, it just normalizes that it's all the same for anyone, regardless of gender of yourself or the other person. And I think that is really radical because it's asking straight people to connect to queer intimacy and queer love and crushes and all of that stuff. And I think that is is pretty unique. And as you said, Connie, Olivia always said, it's like coming out stories are so important and we'll always need them. And that narrative is so important, but what happens after and you're just out and you're just want to have a crush and want to have a kiss and want to go to a party. And, or even when you become an adult, what happens then of like the post coming out and just living out sort of life and what does that look like and especially what does that look like for younger people because most of the time for younger people it's the coming out narrative rather than like just living out
0: yeah we've never really had a moment where we've talked about your sexuality have
1: we i just came around
2: one day with my girlfriend at the time and that was kind of it i don't
0: remember <laughs> i had a funny i had kind of like a weird opposite situation because when i was young and growing up my sister told my parents that i was gay so they never asked me, and we never had the conversation. And I just thought it was weird because they'd say, you know, if I came back with a with a guy, they'd go, "Oh, do you two want to go up to your room? You know, have some time to yourselves." And I was like, "What?" So because I wasn't gay, but she just she just did a prank, and nobody talked about it. And also, I, I was very effeminate, and and you know, would everyone just assumed I was gay. So we didn't have the conversation in an opposite way, and I probably had to come out as being straight at some point. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I had a friend in college who to- told us that her little brother, who was like 11, that their parents down and was like, I just want to tell you I'm straight. And I feel like that's great. We should never assume. Straightness doesn't have to be, you know, heteronormativity doesn't have to be the norm. If we get to a point where we all have to say out loud what we are or where we currently are, I think that makes sense because then it doesn't assume anything.
0: Before this podcast, I wasn't going to talk about sexuality and things because really for me, and now having three daughters that are kind of growing up, I really don't care what type of person that they choose to love but I just kind of hope that they find love and happiness in some way if, they, if that's what they want you know everyone's going to find their own way so someone's sexuality seems to be from my point of view as a parent obviously you need to give people support but kind of irrelevant really whether they like you know tall people, short people, men, women or whatever and Also now I think what's so lovely now is I hear about much more people who just kind of fall in love with a person rather than a a gender or a type and I, I really like the idea of that
1: yeah i mean i think your attitude is the end goal right i think if everyone could feel that way it would be incredible and i i also have to honor like when i came out i came out in such a privileged scenario and that, like i grew up in a very liberal city in a jewish but very liberal jewish progressive community and i felt very safe i knew that when i came out I, it wouldn't be a problem but what i'm I, I have to acknowledge is that unfortunately, that's just still not at all where we are with, with other people and in other, even just an hour away from LA or 20 yeah. minutes from where I live or at a different school. I think it just, you know, I had such a privileged uh, space to do so. I mean, even my girlfriend grew up in Liverpool and it's just a completely different, it was just a completely different experience for her. She was super accepted. And, and because she just, I don't know, Bond, my girlfriend's name is Bon And she's just like, she's the best in the world. And she just, she's just so herself that no one could, she was just like, this is who I am. And they were like, she carries a briefcase and she like she like believes in magic. And they were just like, she's fine. Like they just, um, but I do think that it's much, it's a much less open, common thing there than even in London. And even just that difference between the North and the South of the same country, you know? Yeah. So we're so lucky, Connie, that we like were embraced. Like I didn't really realize
2: until, cause you know, I'm from London that it wasn't such a big thing. And it took me a while to realise when I met my girlfriend's parents for the first time, I realised halfway through when I was meeting them that her parents didn't know that we were a couple because she hadn't come out to them yet, which was really strange. But I think then, like, after having a conversation, like, how difficult it was for her. And I suddenly, yeah, I didn't quite realise how lucky I was. I know now that I've tried to educate myself more that it's much harder for...
0: Hey. I'll write it on my list. Connie's got great parents, right? Have we established that? We have established
1: the best dad. Oh God, I'm
0: rubbish, I'm rubbish. Yeah, I'm so rubbish. Look, we're gonna come, I suspect we're gonna come to Bonnie in a bit because one of the rings has a clue on it.
1: We will, that's the last one of, in chronological order.
0: I'm so intrigued that the <laughs> second ring is so intriguing. I've got so many questions about it. So could you tell us about the second
2: ring?
1: Yes, the second ring is my high school class ring, which, you know, on the West Coast of of the US, I think it's a much less common thing. The East Coast has been around much longer and I, I think there are certain schools and even like in the colleges, they're just much more uh, traditionally minded or have like longer lasting or longer standing traditions. Yeah. Just practices and what they do. So I know classrooms are quite common on the East coast at different high schools, but in the West coast, it wasn't really a thing. My brothers went to a different high school than I did and they definitely didn't have them there. Or if they did, it wasn't like a whole ceremony. Whereas our high school, like the second or third week of senior year, our last year they do a ring ceremony and so you like each walk up and it's sort of like the ring ceremony is the first couple of weeks and then your graduation but it's a similar thing where each person is called up and handed their ring but you have to buy it and so they're quite expensive and when i was going to pick it out with my mom you're supposed to get your birthstone or it's typical to get your birthstone as the stone of the ring there were also ones that didn't have the stone but i liked the ones with the stone but i am a june birthday
0: best month both of us Oh, no. Oh, shit. That, I told you I was a bad parent. That's my other daughter. <laughs> All right. Well, it's just quite a good month. Sorry. <laughs> I'll shut up. I should shut up. Hey, it. <laughs> anyway, it's still a good month to be born in. I'm in
1: April. Yeah, I'm June, and our birthstone is Pearl, I believe. But they didn't do Pearl in the rings. They substituted it with Amethyst. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they substituted with. And I didn't like the way it looked. It looks like I just wasn't into it. And so I just said, I want the pink one. Because pink is my favorite, I think pink is October. Pink sapphire is October, I think. But yeah, I was like, screw it, I don't care. <laughs> so uh, I was like, I if we're buying. You know, my parents are kind enough and lucky enough to buy me this ring. I was like, I want it to be something that I wear every day. Did I actually think I would wear it every single day? I don't know, but my 10 year reunion is in May. Well, virtually or not, it is in May, 10 years, from when I graduated high school. And I've worn it every single day since I Mm -hmm. got it. And it has my class year on it, and my high school crest, and then my name, and like the comedy tragedy symbol and like a music note you can get. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that rings amazing. uh, like what you're what you're into your your hobby you can get on one side and then the class year 2011 and then the high school crest okay i
0: had no idea that is so personally made for you my
1: name on the inside too so i really went for it and then i was like i'm lucky enough to be getting this special ring it has to be something that i'm actually gonna wear and i do i i think i'm the only one of my high school friends left that has worn it every day. My best friend, Melanie, wore hers for a long time, but now she's engaged. So her ring game has sort of switched, Um, (laughs) which is fair. Um, But I've made some exceptional friends in college and in my working life and, you know, just out and about. But my high school group of friends is where my heart is. Like we are still very, very close. I think there's 10 of us, about 10, 11. and just they are sort of my north star like my favorite most special people in my life so I think yeah I, I love it I love that I've worn it for so long and now it's just b- sort of become part of me but those people are other than my family and bond are like my favorite people in the world so it's nice to have that sort
0: that's of. that's so lovely the reason I was fascinated is that it seems to me in in the U.S. there are quite a lot of kind of ceremonies and and traditions and things that go with with your education and um, so my experience I'm in my um, uh, mid I'm gonna say mid to late 50s I think I'm (laughs) still allowed in the mid bit but anyway I've still got really good friends best friends from school so it was great school we had we had really good fun there's there's no ceremony and no objects that connect me other than my friendships to, to that school and I think something that always strikes me when I come to the US is that as you drive in from the airport, you'll see a lot of gardens with a flag in the garden and that kind of stuff. And there seems to be a lot of symbols that connect people to things. We just don't have them so much. So, for example, you'll have t shirts and things with your university name on, or baseball jackets and hats and that kind of stuff. You know, I was telling you before about chatting with Olivia Colman and how she was very apologetic and kind of denied going to Cambridge. The same thing happened with Olivia Williams, um, as another actor who I interviewed. And, and I said, She went to Cambridge and she went, Oh, no, no, you know, it's like, Anyone could get in. So there's almost an apology about going to a nice school or a nice university in the UK, whereas in the US.
1: I think I could write a dissertation on the differences and similarities between the US and England because, I mean, such a topic of conversation in my relationship, obviously. Um, but when I went to London to film How to Build a Girl, well, actually, when I went to Wolverhampton to
2: film How to Build a Girl. <laughs>
0: I'm going to ask you about this, maybe. <laughs>
1: And I spent the whole summer of 2018, um, I finished Booksmart on a Monday and I was in Wolverhampton like, on the Friday of that same week. So it was like a quick turnaround. And all of a sudden I was in Wolverhampton and then we filmed it in London, but I did research in Wolverhampton. and But I spent from like the first week of June through September in the UK. And then obviously come back because I'm in a long distance relationship when the world is open. So I do feel like it's my second home, but I have so many, not concrete yet. Like I, ha- I haven't found my thesis statement of what I think the, the similarities yeah. and <laughs> are. Yet but there are, there are plenty. And I think it's so interesting to me because your country is so much older. I feel like there are so many sort of distinct traditions and ways of doing things that are so ingrained that it's interesting to hear that it's not as much in school. It's more sort of nationally maybe, or? Right,
0: so my school, right, started in 1311. Like, that's old, right? That's old. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Wikipedia again. I was looking at alumni. And um, Cardinal Woolsey, who was killed by Henry VIII, he was at my school. He's, an, he's like an old boy from my school. So it's like, Brain. But the rest of them, you know, there isn't really anyone else worth speaking of. Your school, you've got loads of like really lovely people like, oh my God, Candice Bergen and stuff went to your school. So you beat well, me.
1: My high school in its current iteration as a co-ed school only became co-ed, I think, in 1990-something. I can't remember when it was, but it was a, a yeah. boys' school and a girls' school that they combined. I mean, we barely have, like, 30 years of existence. Yeah,
0: but on. Your list of notable people is about 10 times as long as my school that was started in 1311.
1: So. so yeah, I mean... Of my group of 10 friends, like, not that acting is the only profession, but, like, two of my best friends have been... One is nominated currently and one won a Tony Award. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, that is literally insane and we're 27
0: right isn't
1: it? And, you know i i'm like it's not normal like sometimes i just remind them i'm like this isn't normal like this isn't everyone's high school class <laughs> my best friend ben who won a tony award for jerevan hansen people often think that we met in like an industry way or whatever like we met working together or out and about or whatever and we're like no like when Ben got his braces off, I left algebra to go see his teeth. Like we're those type of friends. <laughs> we're not like awesome. we're not uh, like oh, I met you at this party and let's exchange numbers, whatever. I'm like no, no, no. Like we went to prom together. Like we actually went to prom. <laughs> Oh <laughs> um, so but I yeah it's a very the high school I went to is so kind of outrageous it's exceptional at everything which didn't always make me feel exceptional at everything because I often felt well am I good enough to be here do I deserve this or you know everyone else is more talented or smarter than I am and and where do I fit in and it wasn't until I went to college or university that I found my academic side of myself, like I I started to believe in the academic side of myself because in high school, it was so rigorous, even at such a young age, I often was like, I don't know if I'm smart, I don't believe in myself in that way. um, And then I went to university and I was like, Oh, right, like, this is a huge part of who you are. But I mean, I was lucky enough to go to somewhere so exceptional that I often felt less than that. Yeah. That title. It, it sounds um,
0: like a great school, I and mean, it sounds like you had fun. It was a lovely school. You know, there was lots of love, lots of fun, and lots of friends. And
1: Lots of love, lots of. I mean, just, I was just looking through old photos last night. I was going through, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, it's crazy that it was a, over a decade ago for some of these feelings and, and memories because they feel so close. But I think it's because our friendships are the same. I mean, they've grown, but yeah. we're still talking to each other every day in the same way that we did. So yeah, no, it was a great school. And I think, I mean, look, I wouldn't wear the ring if it wasn't a great school.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's so
0: lovely. Um, It was really nice and refreshing actually, because I went to, it must've been our 30th anniversary from my school and mine was all single sex it was all boys at the time and um I went to a pub just by London Bridge and I walked into the room I thought it was in and I kind of walked up to someone and said who are you and and he gave me his name I didn't recognize it and I was like "God, I don't recognize anyone here and he said who are you and I said I'm here for the Ipswich School reunion and he said oh no you're in the wrong room so I went up to another room and I walked in to another room full of middle-aged men that I didn't recognise. And I said, I said, Who are you? And he gave his name, I didn't remember it. But um, once I got settled in, they were basically just a nice bunch of people, you know. They're really a really nice, kind bunch of people. And there wasn't any I was think I was a little bit worried about there being kind of a competitiveness to a reunion or something. They were just all really nice guys, all just getting on with life. We'd all been through so many ups and downs that there was no judgment on people. So I really enjoyed it actually. Have you got something planned for your for your tenure?
1: I don't know. Because- because of obviously everything that's going on in the world. I i mean, presumably if it was a normal year, it would be at the school. 2020 was supposed to be my five-year college reunion, which I was very excited for. You know, usually you go back to the campus and it feels like more of a sort of weekend of activities and cocktail hours and you know you go to the commencement and things and it's it's more of a thing but I actually don't know because I wasn't able to go to my five-year high school reunion I was working and so I don't know I'm sure they'll do something virtually I hope that they do I mean I feel like I'm sort of at one every day whenever we all get like we all did a a zoom for new year's day to say like happy new year and that sort of feels like my high school reunion like every time we're all on we're just like talking over each other and you know it's just delicious it's great yeah
0: I love it. I think there's a great value.
1: Sort of been living in a high school reunion through my work.
0: For real. Yeah. So, that was something I was going to ask you. Like, as an English person, whenever I come to the US, it is just you've seen everything on a film. So, New York's brilliant because it's like, oh my God, there are some cops and there's some steam coming out of the pavement and all this kind of stuff. LA is exactly the same where I'm always tripped up because, um, you know, you walk into a shop and someone says, hi, how are you? And I kind of say, oh, I'm, I'm a bit tired today, actually, because I've got you and I've got a sore back and they look at me like I'm an idiot. And I, so I have to remember, when you ask me how I am, you don't want to hear about my medical ailment, right? you just saying hello. So it's all a bit of a comedy. Would I recognize your school from like every film that I've seen?
1: No. And honestly, my high school is outrageous. It looks like a college campus. It's so beautiful. It actually, there's like a middle school campus and a high school campus. Um, but I mean, I guess what I loved about Booksmart was that Olivia really made it feel LA. Like it, they mm-hmm. ate lunch outside and things like that that were much... Uh, more true to my high school experience i remember my college friends who all grew up on the east coast learning that we ate lunch outside because they grew up in boston and new york were freezing you could never eat lunch outside and they were like what do you mean i was like there was never a day we didn't eat lunch outside that that was the only place to eat lunch and they were like what do you mean like it's you know 10 degrees fahrenheit for them half the time in boston so there's definitely coastal differences um and i'm sure like in the south and you know other places midwest there are, there are differences but there's so many different styles of schools but i feel like because ours was so outdoorsy in a certain way like because so much because of the, the weather here i think that was definitely a shock even for my american east coast friends they were like yeah <laughs> I don't.
0: My brother is, um, has lived in LA most of his life, but he's just moved back to Europe. So he's in uh, Biarritz at the moment. So it's kind of just about freezing and the sun comes up for a few hours a day and, and he just—he is just so depressed saying, why did I leave LA? Because it's a great place, isn't it, for the sunshine and the smiles.
1: Well, I grew up here I just... I mean, maybe it's because of COVID and I shouldn't judge it because I've been stuck in, you know, i basically stuck inside. Now that I've gotten older, um, most of my friends that live in LA now as adults live on the East side. And it's been really fun to explore Los Feliz and Silver Lake and all of these sort of pockets of LA that growing up in West LA, I never really went to growing up. But I love the seasons and I love the hustle of New York or London. Like I love the speed. People always are, they're on a mission. They're going somewhere, they're focused. LA is very meandering. I always joke, you sort of roll out of your, your bed into your car and then you roll out of your car into wherever you're going and then you roll back into your car. Yeah, yeah. It's very slow and people aren't, they're not hustling. And I like the hustle. And
0: I love the vibe of New York. I was kind of thinking, because I could live in New York, so if something came up and I could live, I could, I'd love to live there for a few years. But then I was thinking, where would I live? Would I live like on Manhattan or would I live in Brooklyn? Because I really like Brooklyn, too. It's got a great vibe to it. I would be happy living in New York.
1: I think if, you, if you're if you used to, I mean, if you don't live in Soho or like central London, you would probably be happier in Brooklyn because there's sort of that mixture of pace in the way that like London has in a lot of, in most areas of London, I find of like it's slower but close to fast, if that makes sense. Like you can get to fast in twenty minutes. You can be in the hustle of it, but you don't have to like live in the hustle. Whereas like I love to live in the hustle. Like I live pretty much directly in the
0: center. You kind of got so much—you're just bursting with energy and enthusiasm. So I yeah, guess because I've
1: been inside for so long. I'm like, I don't
0: know. <laughs> so that's a great ring. So we're going to—we'll have a picture of that on the website. And I just love the idea that you wear it. I, that's one of those rings that you—you you imagine you'd get and then would be put in a box and and you'd sort of refine. Really but I just think it's a super ring, kind of slightly could be on kind of harry potter or something there's something about it it's almost or a papal ring or something you know i like it
1: i don't know if this is true but i've heard there are like specific boarding schools and stuff in england that they would like the men wear pinky rings i think like uh, yeah. it
2: could be
0: or... we have a problem here being because like we touched on it before about how you connect yourself with groups and people and things and here in the uk we have such subtleties which you will have picked up when you when you were over here and it's not even accent it's like the minute you present yourself, because we have this class system, which is how you divide people up and work out where they belong. And it's kind of almost like you just present yourself, walk into a room or, or even pick up the phone and people know exactly where you fit in and where you pitch yourself. And it's, I really hate it and it's really depressing, but it kind of exists here. And so we have a big problem where our country's run by these chinless wonders who have no idea about anything. I have to say, I don't want to get too political, but it does seem like a kind of global phenomenon where an overprivileged populist person is asked to run a country. And I don't know, I, I kind of end up with the conclusion that this isn't the best time for a populist leader. You, you, you need someone with a bit of dignity and a bit of leadership in them.
1: I can't even say his name uh, on yeah. my I I actually, like... Uh, yeah it's it's so immensely disturbing what's going on in in my country to say the absolute least like that's putting it so trivially but um you were saying about class systems <laughs> right.
0: you know from my point of view, this is me just just me personally speaking we kind of led by a bunch of people that went to eton and and westminster and all these all these really schools that probably have these little rings you know you can probably walk into a club and, and act in the right way or wear the right tie and you'll get a government... I, mean, that's why I was
1: like, I want to distinguish that mine is not like that. No, no
0: but I'm, I'm, I think we have a much more destructive system here in the UK of, of placing and connecting people, whereas in the US it seems to be a lot more open and celebratory and a kind of fun thing. So,
1: I mean, it's all rooted in the concept of the ideology of the American dream that you can change whatever you were given, or you can change wherever you come from. There's always like an upward mobility, I think, is the ideology that's rooted in how our country was formed. Whereas I think in, in the UK, there's not as much of a narrative of changing that or wanting to change that. Yeah. I mean, I think such, I had I learned so much learning the Wolverhampton accent.
0: That was just so brilliant. I can't tell you how brilliant that was. I don't know how you did it, but like...
1: The accent was so good. Uh, we were trying to do it. I'm so bad. We are so,
0: doing rubbish. Well,
1: this. that is how I got the role. So I was Skyping... Uh, back when we Skyped, before Zoom, <laughs> uh, it was in 2017. I was Skyping with Koki, the director, and the producers. And uh, I had read the script. I loved it. I was so intimidated by it. And I really, really wanted it. But I, under- I was like, I understand if they don't want to, you know, take a chance on an American auditioning, I completely understand. But they had seen an advanced screening of Lady Bird, which is truly like the gift that keeps on giving in my life. And they were like, we think maybe you could do it. So I was having this discussion with them and Koki, um, our director who's from London, she was saying as a Londoner, she was like, most people I know can't just pop out of... Wolverhampton accent or even a Brummie accent, which is not the same thing. No, no
2: not at all.
1: The first thing I was told by the women I met in Wolverhampton was like, if you do a Brummie accent, I was like, I promise you I won't. (laughs) I was like, because everyone like mixes them up or considers them the same and They were very hell-bent that that was not true. But, you know, she was saying they looked in Wolverhampton, they did a citywide search, they couldn't find anyone. Then they opened it up to all of the UK and the US and Australia, I'm not sure, kind of everywhere. They were like, we're going to open it up. And she was explaining that even uh, Londoners two hours from Wolverhampton can't do the Wolverhampton accent or Northerners or whatever. And so I I just said, so anyone's going to be doing an accent. And she kind of turned her head to the side and she was like, what? And I was like, well... If you, if you can't find someone that grew up and currently lives in Wolverhampton, then anyone you cast will be doing yeah. an accent. And yeah. she sort of tilted her head to the side and I was like, yes, because I knew I had said the right thing to sort of open her up to the idea that even a Brit would be doing a Wolverhampton accent. So why don't have it? Why not have it be me?
0: <laughs> I think making like another, you know, part two of that story. Well,
1: Ellen wrote the book. It's it's out. It actually came out the summer. We were filming How to Build a Girl. It's amazing. I mean, she's just next level, incredible, and just a hero. The wackiest, warmest hero in the world. And she wrote How to Be Famous, and it exists. But I don't know. I'm not withholding. I just, I genuinely don't have any sense of whether or not we'll be able to make the second one.
0: We're keeping our fingers
1: crossed. That lost. movie, because it's how I met my girlfriend, like, it just changed my life in so many ways. But it also was a really nerve-wracking. It really pushed me in a way that I had never felt before. Uh, I was in a, a new country leading a movie for the first time in an accent that was very regionally specific. She talks the entire time. Like how you didn't get yeah. sick of my voice. I do not know because I would get sick of it. But Catelyn speaks in monologues. And so Johanna speaks in monologues and she just talks the whole time. So it just really pushed me as an actor in, in a really special way. So I love her. There is a very nerve-wracking scene in the book that <laughs> should we make in a movie would intimidate me, continue to challenge me. Um, but uh, I would do anything for Callan, so I would love to do it, but I don't know.
0: I'm gonna read the book. So now you've brought us on, I think we can look at the third one because you mentioned.
1: Mentioned the old Bonster. Bonnie. Bon, Bonnie. Bonnie Chance actually is her full name, her full first name.
0: I love that, because there's a hyphen between Bonnie and Chance.
1: Yes, it's the first name hyphen, not the last name hyphen, which is a unique. Where
0: is she at the moment because last time I talked to you you guys were sort of coronavirusly separated. So
1: we still are, unfortunately. Oh, no. We were so kind, and you sent us the most beautiful necklaces that we love and cherish so much. It was so sweet.
0: That was such a lovely thing to do. And also, don't forget, at the time, we were watching movies of yours every night.
1: I love them so much.
0: So then let's have a look. Can you describe the third ring for us? And- I
1: actually don't know where she got it, but she got it in London, but I'm not sure where. And it's a, what do you call it, a signet ring? Yeah. Is that what it's called? And it's uh, it's all gold with a circular sort of, face and then two very beautiful these that sort of intersect very lightly as they, it's very scripty font. And this was the first gift she ever gave me.
0: So go on, how did you meet? So you you were filming and was she she working on the film?
1: Yes, Bond produced the movie. and oh
0: my god, she's a producer, is she?
1: Yeah, she's she's truly uh exceptional at what she does. She's she is the most brilliant person I think I know, and I know a lot of very brilliant people. I'm lucky enough to know so many different brains and you know, uh, love so many different creative, smart people. But Bon, I think her brain works like no one else's. I've never like, I think my whole life will just be like, it'll be endlessly fun to learn how her brain works and continue to learn. Cause I feel like every day there'll be like a new thing where I'm like, well, how did you come up with that? Or how did you know that? She's like, well, I was reading The New Scientist this morning. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> well, we're both with, um, with Scousers cause Denise is from Liverpool. My wife Denise is from Liverpool. Well,
1: oh, I didn't know that.
0: They're a kind of quick-witted bunch, aren't they? You know, Scousers, they're they're a particular breed.
1: They're the best breed. And she's a Jewish Scouser, which I think is such a unique, amazing combination. Again, this is a sweeping generalization, but I think at least American Jews, the American Jews that I know and my community here are very emotionally forward. I think we're people that speak our minds, speak our hearts. My upbringing was very... um, vocal. And we were taught to express ourselves and obviously sweeping generalization. But as you were mentioning, British people tend to withhold it and not um, always say what's on their mind or take a compliment or, you know, they sort of shrink back. And so the Jewish Scouser combination is like this magic sort of push and pull that I really love. It's like this real openness, but then with like the British timidness with the Scouser kind of brash, like pride. And I don't know, I think It's a, she's just the best, but I love Liverpool and I, I don't know, I was a little nervous because I'd heard so much about it and it became this sort of built up thing in my mind of like, what will it be like when I actually get to go and see all the people that made her who she is and, you know, get to just be in the city that I've heard so much about. I mean, Scousers are the most welcoming, Mm. fun, delicious group of people. Like I just... It's just an endless joy to be there and to be sort of welcomed into their family. I love Liverpool because it feels so small. Like it, it's such a, it's a city. It's such a big city, but it feels so small.
0: So to be a city, you just have to have a cathedral. So you can be tiny and have a cathedral, but... Exactly. But It's like, it really punches above its weight because back in the day, it was sending boats over to the US and then, you know, the Beatles and the whole kind of rock and roll scene. So Denise's mum used to go to the cavern when the Beatles were, you know, just playing there and so she saw them when it was just like a smoky place. Um, But it's it's a great, it's a great city, isn't it? With loads of personality.
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's one of my newly favourite places in, in the world. It's just so, and it's so fun to see it through her eyes too, of like, yeah where she grew up in her school and
0: so tell me were you guys just sort of uh checking each out uh, other across across a busy film set or something or or
1: best friends first I mean, we were just we instantly even at my like audition I just was like I'm gonna know this person forever I just felt so drawn to her yeah we were best friends first we were just spending every every day together and um on the weekends we were just getting together and she would like show me Hampstead Heath. We went to Brighton for the day. Like she was showing me around because I was like alone in London, you know. And yeah, you
0: know, London's quite a hard city, isn't it? If if you're on your own. That's where Connie hopes to move to Brighton because it's it's kind of cool little. Um, I love Brighton.
1: Isn't
2: it?
0: I
1: love it. I went to university there. Oh. Fun. It's very like fun and queer and easy and and colorful and good food and good people and yeah. I'd love to spend more time. I literally went for a weekend, but I love it there. That's that's such a great choice in my opinion. Very great.
2: Well um, if you're ever in Brighton you should
1: come and stay
2: when I find somewhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to come mean, to New York.
0: I've got plans. If, if you're over in London, I, I'd love to take you and Bonnie out just to say thank you. Did Bonnie, do I have to thank Bonnie for all this? Because did she introduce you to my jewellery?
1: Yes, she introduced me to your jewellery. But Well, she had mentioned it before and then she was buying her best friend a 30th birthday gift and she ends up, she was she bought it from your friends and she was showing me and I was like, wait, what is this? I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> and then I took a deep, like two hour long dive <laughs> through the website. Oh, that's so um, sweet. Everything you make is so whimsical and unique and special and beautifully made and, and delicate.
0: I've got a, I have got ai have a good team, basically. So when you're over, if you have time, I'd love to show you and Bonnie around the workshop where we make it. And one of my favorite restaurants is called Bonnie Gull. Do you know that restaurant? No. Yeah, there's a restaurant called Bonnie. It's called Bonnie Gull and it's in Fitzrovia and it's such a cool... Do you eat uh, seafood?
1: love seafood.
0: There you are. It's called a... A seafood shack or something, and and so we'll go to Bonnie Girl, and I'll get I'll get you some supper or something. Oh,
1: I can't wait!
0: And and then the fun will start again, won't it? Oh, I can't.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> Beanie, can I take a screenshot yes. to have a picture of you? Oh, we can take one. You look great. Uh, <laughs> left. Oh, this. High five! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, great. We got it there. I don't know how to do. This. Okay, and then I'm gonna <laughs> This do... is gonna be really. It's gonna be oh Woo! Yeah, that's <laughs> gonna work, but you know. I love it. You look great. I, I generally look terrible in pictures, but that's my um that's my lot in life.
1: I love it. Uh it's well wonderful to meet you both. And very nice to meet you. And I'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you'd like to see some of the pieces we've been talking about or for more information about any of the issues we've discussed, please check out our website and follow the links to the podcast page. You'll also find information on how to share your own stories, give a bit of feedback or have a look at all the jewellery related things I've been up to recently. We've also got some great jewellery making tutorials on our YouTube channel. There's lots to see just go to www.alexmonroe.com